look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Basil Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, fine. You? I'm good. I'm really good, actually. Was there something in particular you'd like to share with the group? Well, <laughs> I don't like the way you look at me when you say that. It's like you think you're suspecting something. <laughs> yeah, I can't have a good day. It's usually a setup on something that's coming my I way. That's I the... can't have a good... There's been a lot of change. Weather's getting better. We've got a new coach with the Calgary Flames. There's a, there's a whole bunch of changes that are happening here. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm in you're a, a Senators day. fan. What do you care? Oh, he's been outed. I have been outed, yes, yes. (laughs) I look at deep value hockey teams with the hopes that they will turn around. That's the only time I actually hope for something is the Sens to win a game. Now you made my day terrible. No, I I agree with you on the weather change. Um, I'm finding more people are... You know, I uh, had a chance to talk to uh, an an aunt and I had a visit with her because she's been vaccinated. Haven't seen in a very long time. My mom's been vaccinated now. There's, you know, that... To me, I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah. Right. That that we're on that pro, that 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 path now. Yeah. So there's lots to be happy for at this particular point. It does feel like people's we're changing. Like yeah, we're, we're getting we're getting more optimistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're getting there. So that that's a good sign. And to see how how the rollout's happening. Yeah. We'd all love it faster, but it is what it is right now, and it's it's better than it was before. That's correct. You got it. And so that's, that's and we'll good. talk about that with respect to uh, to the markets. But we got a pretty cool show today. Lots of people, there's been a big change in attitude about uh, aging in place, right? So we know that sort of the, the center of the universe for mortality uh, in Canada has been in long-term care facilities, and that's changed people's opinions yep. about whether they want to move to a long-term care facility to age in place. Now, I don't know if that's permanent or temporary. We'll have to see. But it does raise the question about what, how, how do you, what do you have to do to stay in your home longer, to get the help and support you need for the quality of life you want? Yeah. We're going to talk about that today. And we've got... Um Fraud Prevention Month this month. Yeah. And there are many do-it-yourself investors, and they can be swayed in certain ways where when you're investing, what happens? Maybe you're going down that path where you're being taken advantage of. You're yeah. a victim of fraud. Yeah. And so we want to bring back all our, our, our special guest on that and saying, you know, if you're investing, how do you make sure that you are you don't get become a victim of, of fraud and yeah and listen they they target um, they target a seniors population that's not exclusively of course but this is a time in your life that you can't afford to be taken advantage of because it could materially um, change the outcome of your retirement right so let's talk about taking advantage of this and this week in the markets Dave mm-hmm. there was a big conversation and attention to the 10-year US government bond mm-hmm. um, anytime that number was hovering greater than 1.55%. Keep in mind, it was sub 1%. Yeah, not too long ago. ago. Exactly, yeah. And now to be at over 1.55% at points, you start seeing the markets kind of contract, especially in those high-growthy names like technology. And you start to see a bit more, uh uh-oh, inflation's coming. Uh Uh-oh, things are not going to be... as robust as it was because we've spent so much time talking about the the technology stocks out there. Yep. Uh, and when I say we, I mean the media and yep. what the market's attention has been on. And so it looks like there's somewhat of a rotation happening slowly. Um, and people are kind of stuck. Do I 
do I stick with what's been working over the last 12 months or do I start to adjust? What do I do? You know? Yeah, and there's a number of factors at play when, when, you're, when you're looking at this, right? There's a number of companies that really benefited uh, last year during the pandemic. Yeah. Their business plans were literally accelerated by five or 10 years, Yeah, right? And so it made sense that money flowed there and those companies from a, from a, from a business building perspective are far better. There's a bunch of companies that were left behind but that will participate when we return to something more normal. Yeah, and there's two different types of participation, I right. think, what's happening right now. There is the, okay, there's been companies who've been, I'll use the word, not given the love. Yeah. When the markets are now realizing that we're getting back to somewhat of a normal mm -hmm. world. But there's a whole bunch of companies who've been, who have run up recently that have a long journey ahead of them. Right. If you look at the travel and tourism industry, I do not believe it's going to be the same feeling we have with our family members. You got a vaccine, now you can travel anywhere in the world. And so everybody's going to do better by fourth quarter of 2021. Right. I, I think there's going to be a lag to that. Sure. And when that lag happens, you're going to have choppy earnings reports mm -hmm. and maybe choppy guidance on what's happening in the future. And so I think there are two tales or two stories going on right now of this rotation and i think there's a little bit too much money going after the the fully opened economy right versus the to be opened economy right and i think the to be opened economy is very attractive has and 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 i think people are just getting too excited right now there's too much euphoria well this yeah in, in the future yeah because of the vaccines yeah and it, it, it makes for some interesting opportunities, right? So what we saw, you know, we felt that, that this year would be um, a massive reopening given the vaccines. Choppy, albeit. Everything you said is accurate. Um, but it was, going to, it was going to create some consternation this year for the markets because in a recovery year, you will typically see a, um, a valuation contraction, what's called the price earnings multiples. And, and that's because, you know, what, what typically leads that is either rising interest rates because economies are improving, okay, or earnings can lead that. Mm -hmm. And if interest rates lead that without inflation, so on the anticipation of inflation, what you get is a contraction in those price earnings multiples. And if anybody's interested in the technical reason why, you can always reach out to us. We're not going to go through it here. But you get a contraction. And so that's what we started to see happen, right? And mm -hmm. those growthy stocks, the ones that had the higher price earnings multiples, were impacted the most. Doesn't mean they're bad companies. It just means how do you value those the future cash flow? And, and what... I've learned over the last 12 months now, now what we've one year uh, since the pandemic started in North America, um, is conventional way of getting research or information mm -hmm. at times get thrown out the window. When we were looking at just economic indicators in the past, there'd be seven or eight different indicators and that would be our directive of how to go. And yes. I'm going back many, many years when yep. we did that. And then you start adding layers in historical data you start adding in layers like unconventional thought processes. Mm -hmm. And so I was having a conversation with one of our clients uh, this week, and they're saying, when you say unconventional research, what are you looking at? And I think this is, comes time to, to think about what we need to do going forward. That unconventional research, for example, mm -hmm. Google searches, right. kind of give us an, a, a, a foreshadow of what people are thinking. Mm -hmm. Open Table, that company does reservations online using an app on your phone. Mm -hmm. Kind of tells you which areas around North America are opening up and what's the economic impact of that. That data is not available as, as, a, as a researcher 
based on conventional ways. We had to look at ways to be different. So our business of being money managers had to change mm -hmm. in, the, in this time. And the data that we've collected to make the, the, the decisions in the portfolio have now the, the old way of doing things are becoming the old way of doing mm -hmm. things. And the new ways take on more layers of information, which what that does is now puts a bigger disadvantage to the do-it-yourself investor mm -hmm. because they got to do all this stuff. You know, one, one, one of your, one of your, the really good examples back during the pandemic when it was hitting was, uh, so everything's going digital, right? And I remember reading some reports on, on um, thermostats. Yeah. Digital thermostats. So in the United States, they always lead in this because they've always got the biggest distribution of this. Um, you could see, uh, you could see money moving and opportunities being priced in based on where those the, the aggregate of the digital ther where temperatures were going higher for fear of um, um, uh, fever, okay, affecting what investments were being made, right? So it's this kind of data that yes. if you're tracking that stuff, yes. there's tons of it. You can give you some insights. Which is very challenging if you have the sole responsibility of doing all the investment right. decisions yourself. Right. You're, you're, you're playing with less tools in your tool belt. Right. And that can be a big disadvantage. And more importantly, that could actually wipe out a lot of your savings mm -hmm. if you get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so I, I think this is a, a turning point for money management, a turning point for people who are managing their own money. It's been easy ride if you look at that. We've said that if you went to sleep 12 months ago, woke up today... Well, we'll talk about that fourth looks, segment looks today. Looks good. Yeah, yeah. But in between that period, there's a lot of volatility, and yeah. so you know that that's the that's the thing that we're going to see going forward is that you cannot just rely on the market itself and and analytics, technicals. There's a lot of data behind the scenes that you can ga gather that that gives you that little bit of an edge and reduces risk. Yeah. Well, it gives you an informed opinion, and I think that's yeah. what you need, right? And there's nothing certain about what's going to happen tomorrow, but we can certainly get an informed opinion about the trend and where we're going. Yeah. Okay, let's um, maybe let's wrap up the first piece here. Uh, we've got our upcoming seminar because, listen, we, we've got to we've got to have that informed opinion and thesis for the next thirty years for many people to yeah. enjoy their lifestyle yeah. going forward, right? And, and we're going to discuss that on Tuesday, March twenty third, seven p.m. live online. You need to register to attend, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Did you know if you decide to age in place that you could actually destroy one of the most valuable assets that you have, your house? Let's talk about that after the break here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. So I did a piece, I don't know, in the last week or two, Faisal, um, about aging in place, aging in home, okay. right? So given the pandemic and how people's views towards long-term care facilities uh, have changed, at least on a temporary basis, um, you know, more and more people are saying, I want to I age in, in the home. But to do that, right, especially as you age and things change physically and whatnot, there are some things you need to be aware of um, to support, you know, that quality of life that you want to have when you, when you get in the home. So I thought it'd be a good idea that we, we talk a little bit about what you could expect and what are your different choices, right? Cause it's not just a long-term care facility. It's not just aging at home. There's lots of different things that you can do, hmm. but what you, sh what should you, should you be prepared for? And you know, what are the costs of doing these kinds of things? Perfect. Right. Perfect. So we've got, uh, Diane M uh, Embo here with us. She's a researcher with Canada mortgage, uh, and housing corporation. Excuse me. I called you Diane. It's Deanne. 
the French pronunciation. I apologize for that. But she's a researcher with the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, uh, trying to help us understand what these choices are and what does it look like for somebody that wants to age in place. Deanne, welcome to the show. So let's talk a little bit about some of the um, the needs that you should be considering. Um, let's say if you're designing a house, I want to I want to build a property that I can age as long as I possibly can. What should I be thinking about? Well, I guess the the first thing is, of course, adaptability, because you don't know what life is going to throw at you, of course. Uh, so there's a concept that uh, that we've embraced here at CMHC called universal design, uh, which incorporates the idea that the, the bones of the building, the, the big structures that you're building, um, can accommodate everybody in society, no matter their, their need, uh, their mobility, their, or it can be adapted to that. So uh, thinking about um, wider hallways, uh, bigger, uh, you know, bigger door openings, you know, those things that structurally are hard to change after the fact, that putting some thought into that beforehand while you're building. Um, things like uh, in the bathroom, uh, you know that eventually maybe you'll need grab bars and things like that. So reinforcing the walls. And actually one thing people don't often think of you know, they might think of a grab bar and maybe just a strip of reinforcement, but no, reinforce the wall as much as possible because different needs, different people, different uh, mobility issues, you don't know where those grab bars are going to go. So making sure that, you know, pretty much the entire wall is, is reinforced around your toilet, around your, your shower area, those kind of things. Um, looking at the least amount of steps possible. Um, there's um, a, a new... Um, uh, looking at visitability in homes so that uh, from the outset the houses roll in. Um, it's great for people with strollers, right? In your groceries, you can just roll in the house. So it's the idea that universal design is not just for people with mobility issues, but it's for everybody and everybody can benefit from it. And, and that is one of the things um, with um, the National Housing Strategy and uh, Canada's investment in growing our housing stock with a, a billions of dollars of investment, about $70 billion over the next few number of years, is that we want to build, uh, you know, structures that are going to be that adaptable. So universal design is one of the principles or, or a high degree of accessibility, you know, about 20% of the units being accessible. So, um, you know, making sure that we're building for the future and for, for all Canadians. Deanne, how do, how do you ensure that we have enough resources? And this is a, a very diverse group when you look at the 55 and older crowd. Um, how do we find out a way to ensure that we're accommodating all their needs and we have resources for this as well in Canada? Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly, um, like you said, it's an extremely diverse group with diverse needs. Um, you started off the segment by talking about, you know, a lot of seniors their, pre- their preference is to, to age in place, to stay in their home as long as possible. So, um, you know, at CMHC, we have resources with information for people that are looking to adapt their homes. Um, I know the Build Alberta and the CHBA have uh, builders that are, you know, willing to work with with. Uh, with people who want to do home modifications. They'll bring in occupational therapists to make sure that it's done right. Um, whether you, you need the, the uh, accessible options right away or to build them to future-proof your house to make sure that you know what you need is gonna be there in, in the future. Also, um, seniors don't only, you know, if they can't stay in their home, they want to stay in their community. 
So having a range of housing options within their community is also important. So um, some communities are allowing, you know, laneway housing where you can build to universal design standard right from the ground up or, you know, suites within their neighborhood. Or um, some of the things that we are encouraging with the, the NHS is the, uh, the building of seniors housing, apartment units, rental housing, especially for um, seniors who are facing affordability challenges. And that's where uh, the National Housing Strategy is concentrating on making sure that the range is available uh, for not only those that can't afford it, but those that have so you know difficulty um, uh, in in affording homes. So so our concentration is on ensuring that that range is there for everyone and encouraging it within communities. What's um, let's talk about maybe the the various options that that people have. Um, I'm curious to get uh, your take or CMHC's take on uh, what what the range what what are the you know, the various options that an aging Canadian has given the infrastructure we have in Canada today? Well, um, we know that uh, the seniors housing population is growing. Uh, right now, there are about 16% of the Canadian population is considered senior. In the next, within the next 20 years, we expect that to be about 25%. So it's a growing population and uh, growing diverse needs. So, um, you know, we want to see that um, we also know that people are living longer. So one of the trends in seniors housing is to um, encourage uh, active lifestyles and uh, locating seniors housing in walkable communities so that people can can get out and be active or within the home, within the, the, the housing complex that there are opportunities for activity because um, more activity actually helps to um, improve your quality of life over the long term because you you talked about you know people not necessarily wanting to go into congregate care or, or you know high levels of, of care well maintaining an active lifestyle can maintain your quality of life for that much longer and and allow you to to have more choice in, in housing uh, moving forward um, there's also different models of um, of how to um, you know how you're going to to live. Um, some of the pieces, uh, we know that affordability is an issue, especially for single seniors. Uh, some of the data shows that those that are most in having the highest affordability challenges are those that are single. Um, so there's models like co-housing models where a group of single seniors have gotten together um, and they have their own spaces, but there's also communal spaces where they can, you know, share a meal or, or have that social interaction, but still have their, their personal space. And with, the, of course, the communal living aspect, it is, a, it is more affordable for, uh, you know, within that, that lifestyle. There's also multi-generational living where you can uh, have a suite um, you know, the, the quintessential granny flat. I talked a bit about, you know, laneway housing and um, in some cases um, been studies where um, uh, the senior living in their home, maybe the home is not terribly adaptable, but you build a laneway unit that's adaptable from the ground up. You can rent your house out and maintain your affordability that way or have your family move into your house and that way you've got care on site if uh, if ever need arises so that's another way to to age in place um, other um, ideas out there there's um, home sharing where a lot of seniors are overhoused where they have 
extra rooms in the house and they can be matched up with um, you know someone of a different generation who can move in and perhaps pay a lower rent if in exchange for chores or help around the house or just having somebody available if you know if need be um, there have been some successful um, studies in uh, or experiences in uh, I know of one where they've partnered with the university and a school of social work so they're finding students of social work who have you know that predisposition to help people to uh, to move in and they're matched with seniors and move in and and keep that uh, that you know symbiotic relationship to keep things going um, over the long term so you know there's a lot of options out there yeah Deanne, I think you you've I think you raised the uh, yeah just what you said there. There's a there are a ton of options when you start to think about it. Yeah. Uh, so some thought. All that has to happen is some thought. What's right for you or your mom and dad, whatever the case may be, right? Um, have family discussion about what that might look like. Quality of care. We talk about that from a lifestyle perspective. Right. But we have uh, we have quickly run out of time, uh, Deanne. So I just want to thank you very much for taking some time with us and sharing that. It's certainly lots of food for thought. It's uh, that is not the the be all be all and end all of the conversation, but hopefully we planted some seeds there. So thank you for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. We've been joined by Deanne Embo, who's a researcher with the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. Uh, listen, this is all lifestyle related, right? We're all going to age. There's going to be differences in what we want to experience and what supports we may need. And that's all got to be factored into the, to the lifestyle plan. Deanne talked about future-proofing your home. What about future-proofing your retirement? We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, March 23rd, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register in order to come to this webinar. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. And if you don't want to get in, uh, caught in an investment scam that could ruin your retirement, stick around after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. It's Fraud Prevention Week, my friend, and we want to do everything in our power to make sure that nobody's retirement is negatively affected by being the victim of a fraud. Yeah, and and we've had a reoccurring guest on our show talking about the different issues when it comes to fraud prevention, when it comes mm-hmm. to the securities and getting inv- investing in this in this world. Uh, some of the biggest problems, all those complaints and issues, generally go rolling up to the That's Alberta right. Securities Commission. So we would, well, of course, have to bring our expert in for that. Yeah, and we've got Hillary McMeekin back with us, Director of Communications and Investor Education with the Alberta Securities Commission. Hillary, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. As always. Well, um, uh, yeah, well, thank you for doing this because it is an important un- and an unfortunate, I guess, um, aspect of, of investing in that there can be some nefarious characters looking for ways to, uh, to uh, take money, defraud people of their money. Yeah, and there's been a whole <laughs> bunch of, of uh, uh, well, there's a big trend going on, uh, Hillary. There's, there's a trend on these do-it-yourself sites um, invest for yourself, buy yourself, with yourself, and make a whole bunch of money. It's very easy to do. And we're finding out that not all of them are are legit. And so why don't we kind of start there? What have you been hearing about these do-it-yourself investment sites, and what, what are some of the things that we should be looking out for? Mm, that's a great, great question. And, you know, I think it's important that we talk about all of these kinds of investing, right? So there's traditional forms, and then, like you said, there's a growing number of, of people that are – are turning to do it yourself. And I think what what I think alarms us the most is that quite often we turn to these things before we know ourselves, before we know what's important to us, what we're investing for. What are we what are our goals? What's our time horizon? 
really understanding those things and taking those steps first before we start trying out apps and different things because all apps legitimate or not have an element of risk right all investing has an element of risk and that's not um, it's not risk like casino risk this is you know you have to really be make you have to make sure that what you're what you are working to do um, you're comfortable with the risks the choices that you're making right how much money are you gonna are you going to start with how are you going to grow that now for some of your older audiences they've been doing this right they've had they've had the support of a financial planner they've had the support of advisors which is um, which is a more traditional route but you know their grandkids and their kids are now they're really they're looking at things and doing them themselves and and we're seeing not so much that it's not about the channel because there's lots of legitimate channels it's still about the investment opportunities being offered through those channels and and what we're seeing is people aren't always taking the time to do the research to make sure that the investment is is legitimate either that or it, it's right for them right so it's doing that research quite often we get into the hype right like let's do this or we get pressured don't yeah, miss, yeah right don't miss this chance get in now and when we're younger we follow that hype and we we love it. And maybe we started paying attention to the chat rooms, right? Or the message boards where there's lots of chat, right? But it's chat. It's yeah. not legitimate research, right? It's not necessarily talking about the fundamentals of a company and how it's performing and and what what warrants investment. And, and so it, it's really doing that research that is so critical for any investor, but younger I, and older. Yeah, Hillary, I think the when when you use the word research, that can mean so many things to different people. Yeah. And and so I'll give you an example of what happened. When one one person said, Faisal, you should get on in this company. It's a very small company. It's gonna it's gonna go to the moon, right? They all, that's how they all start off that way. So I said, Okay, tell me about the company. Um, and I go, Where'd you get your research to so tell me this is gonna go to the moon? And literally a link to a social media platform which was another link to another social media platform, which is another link to another social media platform that said, this is a really good idea. Yeah. Research is to some, an opinion that was given on a social media platform. Yeah. And so that person said it, so it must be true. <clears throat> Let's put our money there. And that was very interesting. I'm more concerned about, yeah, concerned right. maybe the wrong word. I I'm interested about how people find their research and, and what they consider research. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm going to say the old days was yeah. I got a tip for you. I was getting my hair cut and the barber said, Correct. I mean, like, how does your barber know that this company is going to go to the moon? Yeah. Like, where did they get? Well, they were told by somebody else. Right. And so social media just does it on, a, on your phone versus going to the barber shop. Right. Um, but it's interesting. That's how research is done. It's not, it's not proper research of the company or the investment or the risk tolerance <laughs> and the risk itself. <laughs> It's purely upon opinion. So, Hillary, is that, do you find when people are, are bringing complaints to the Alberta Securities Commission and they say, where do you get your information from? Is because social media is so easily accessible, mm -hmm. is that what they're using as their research? Yeah, it, a, a number of times. I mean, it's that or it's high pressure sales or advertising, right? Like, ooh, get in now. But, I, but either one is that it, the individual. And, I, and again, we're, we're not trying to be critical. All of us are trying to learn and trying to figure out how to do investing in the way that we're most comfortable with, right? But, but what we are seeing is that people aren't taking the steps to actually 
go to, like you have social media on your phone, but you also have Google search, right? You can Google that company. You can look at their website. You can look at, you know, what activities they've done in the past, what, what disclosure they have on their website. What are they saying about their own prospects, right? Where are their risks? Those kinds of things. They're just as easily accessible, but we're, but we're not taking that step. We're instead trusting, like you said, the proverbial barber, which I love that analogy, is so true. But, but now it's a chat room with a few different people all chatting about, oh, wouldn't mm -hmm. it be cool? And, and yes, it would be, but again, like we've seen in examples in recent weeks, right? It's not based on fundamentals necessarily. And that's, that's, what, that's the information we need in order to make the right investing yeah. decisions. I'm on this chat group with a bunch of friends that I play hockey with. And it's a hockey chat. So mm -hmm. anything about hockey that goes mm -hmm. on, NHL or not NHL, it is put on this chat line. And you'll notice when a cryptocurrency is moving up, all of a sudden the chatter starts happening. And literally you get, where do you buy it from? Mm -hmm. And then a link gets put on the chat. And then I always come back in because of what I do for a living saying, please stick to the rules of the chat line. This is only about hockey and do right. not give, you know, and please invest with proper research and so forth. And, and it's interesting how... It's like sitting at, at, at a dinner table and everybody's talking and you're just saying, hey, did you hear about this investment? You should get into it. And it's instant. It's yeah. not, it's, there's no, there's no time wait. Like, I, literally from when that, that post was made in the chat line, Dave, to when the next person said, I just bought it was three minutes. Right. Wow. Three minutes to go in and buy that, that, that investment purely because I trust my defenseman on my hockey team <laughs> to protect my goalie, right. that was enough of a reference to say, hey, I can buy that investment. Well, I put out a piece recently on, on FOMO, and Hillary, you can speak to this, but you know, essentially what I said is the fear of missing out is never a reason to invest in anything, ever, anytime, anywhere. Correct. That is Absolutely. never a reason. There's always another deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hillary, listen, we're, we're running out of time relatively quickly. So what I would like um, to do, maybe uh, this is Fraud Prevention Month. I want to bring some awareness to that. I'd like you to speak to that. And, and any heads up that you want to provide our listeners to uh, of, of whatever scam is happening and is hot right now. Yeah, we got 30 seconds here, Hillary. <clears throat> okay, I'll boil it down. Really be super fast. So, um, you know, honestly, Forex is what we're seeing an awful lot about. Foreign exchange or FX, it's all called the same thing. Our, our enforcement team is seeing a lot about it. Um, it is high risk, it's high risk and it's highly complicated. So just because you see the advertisements, don't believe it necessarily. Um, again, do your research. We created an excuse bot to be able to have some fun and give you some fun excuses to use to say, hey, I'm taking some time to do my own research instead of jumping in really quickly. The last thing I'll say, Faisal, your example, that's affinity fraud and it's not necessarily intentional right our friends are just saying hey look at this cool thing but that's what we see so often and and now it's turning more digital right but it's that instead of doing the research we're just trusting what someone we know tells us and then we and then we're shocked if it doesn't go well so just please take time is what i would say to any of your listeners or their family members or friends take the time to do the research that's the most important message Hillary, thank you for that. We appreciate you bringing it, uh, you that to us. Thanks for all the good work that you and your team are doing, and uh, we'll keep in touch and keep people informed of um, of the things they should be avoiding. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thanks for everything you do, both of you. Been joined by Hillary McMeekin, who's the Director of Communications and Investor Education with the Alberta Securities Commission. Um, we've got to wrap this one, uh, this segment up, buddy. But we got to talk about how to how to do it properly, right? Certainly, you got to avoid the pitfalls, and you have to do that in the public markets too. Like you got to make decisions that are proper for you. Structure and discipline becomes Structure, important. Structure, discipline, and a proper research strategy is what we're going to talk mm -hmm. about on Tuesday, March twenty third, seven yep. p.m. live online. You need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Understand the value of what you own. That's a key precept. Okay, don't go away. Um, does your year-over-year -year performance look spectacular? Could that be misleading you, uh, misleading and taking you down a bad path? Let's talk about that after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, often in this segment, we talk a little bit about... Uh, Educational topics yeah. or, or water cooler talk, those kinds of things. And I see you smiling, so I know you've got something. Oh, on yeah. Your mind. And I'm, I'm excited about this part because we got a bunch of um, people who called us that listen to this show. Yeah. And they were, they were talking about how great their portfolios have been doing. I said, fantastic. Tell me a bit more about it. And they're like, well, I looked at my end of February 2020 statement, yep. Faisal, and I'm looking at my end of February 2021 statement. Last 12 months have been great. Doing really well. And I go, did you know you went through a major pandemic, a major market crash of 35% in between those two points in time? You're counting off the bottom. Right. February was a bad month. And let's take the S&P 500, for example. Year over year from approximately today, we're up about 58% in U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. Year over year. Off that... February off of low. February, off of 12 months ago yeah, yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, 12 months ago today, gotcha, yeah. Right, so March 13th, Or Friday, close the business Friday. Yeah. Yep, got it. So you, you understand what I'm saying. So 12 months, 58%, <coughs> Dave. Mm -hmm. If you were 100% invest in the S&P 500, you'd be up 58% in U.S. currency today. That sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. But you're coming off of a base, of a, of a, a major low. Right. And so... People are happier today looking back 12 months. Oh, thank God it went up. Right. The concern is, are you structured for what's going forward? Do you think another 58% is going to happen from this point? Do you think another 20, 30% is going to happen from this point? Like we've gone through some major, major problems here. And we've seen a recovery of 58% off, off of 12 months ago. Right. Where's the money to be made going forward? And how is your portfolio positioned for that? We always look in the rear view mirror. But what doesn't that speak happened. to? The, the, the issue I have with what, what you're saying um, is that it's misleading. And, and I could speak to some conversations I had this week, not, nothing to do with that, but just in general terms about, about people choosing weird or arbitrary measurement periods. And what do you gain from that, yeah. right? So, so what is a client that looks um, at their last February statement to, to this February statement and come off these lows? What do they gain from that, right? It's, the, the issue I have there is it's misleading, right? Probably didn't do 58% in calendar year 2020, right? So what's the, what's the measurement period and what's it attached to? Correct. What, what's the reason why you feel happy or sad about a portfolio or an investment over certain selected period of time right and what are you comparing yourself to 
when I get conversations of listeners to the show and they say, you know, I'm not beating the market or I'm beating the market. And I go, which market? And they say the S&P 500. And I go, why did you choose that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the market. No, no, that's not the market. Right. There's many. In fact, you should have been in Japan. Right. You would have made way more money. Right. Why didn't you pick Japan? Right. And because the S&P 500 is so popular, they use that as a barometer or a measuring tool. Yeah. And I ask, what do you need in your retirement plan? A- and they're like, I don't know. So you don't have a measurement of what success looks like in your retirement plan? Right. And so you picked an arbitrary benchmark. Through an arbitrary period of time to be happy about. That's kind of like me saying, I'm happy in my home in Calgary because the year-over-year price did better than the major drop in lower Manhattan that fell 22%. (laughs) I'm glad you're happy. What am I comparing to? Yeah, no, it's arbitrary, right? Right. And so in this situation, when people are looking at, and, and I, I'm going to blame my industry a bit on this one, because they're going to say, a typical advisor will say, look, you're up year over year. Ride it out. Hold your investment. Stay true to the course of action. In fact, if you need income, I just, just proved that you can live off of dividends. Right. Well, let's go through what happened in the pandemic. Did people spend more money? Not really. Nope. Could they live off the dividends that they were receiving? Yeah. And well, now... Well, that, there's a big assumption. There. There's a big assumption there. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and now we're opening up the economy. And what if you need more money? <clears throat> or what if those, some of those companies are going to cut their dividend? Mm-hmm. We're, we're seeing, or we're going to see, I think, our industry talk about everything is going to be okay if you just hold on to it. And I think that's a big mistake. I okay. think that's a big mistake if you just say, hang in there, hold on to your investments, everything will be okay. Because what you didn't see was in between the two points, or you don't recall, or you're failing to put that as part of the measuring tool. But that, that actually, that piece could actually be okay. If you went to sleep and you woke up today and uh, you know a year ago, okay, fine. If you're accumulating wealth, right? If you're building wealth. Even if you're not, Dave. Because there are well, people who are saying... Like there's listeners to the show that said to me, "Well, I'm getting my dividend, so I'm fine." Yeah, but that so that problem now that I've conversation got more probably money income and I've got dividend, and that dividend is paying my my cash flow for my lifestyle. I'm good. No, no, but here here's my point. I get that. I'm, I'm saying as, if you're younger and you're working and you and you're accumulating, that's one thing. But remember, we always talk about this this idea of the sequence of returns, right? And this would be a good the pandemic year was a good example of that. If God forbid you needed to get cash, right? The 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 double the double positive here, uh, getting us through the um, the pandemic, was something you said. Uh, the key piece didn't need income. I didn't need money because people couldn't do anything. They weren't spending. God forbid they had to. They were spending and doing things at a time when the markets were down, mm-hmm. and you have to sell stock. And God forbid those are dividend-paying stocks you rely on. It. This is the mathematical problem that that creates the trouble, yep. right? So I think people forget the fact that your income need might actually went down. That saved you. That saved you and how quickly that recovery took place. But that... that In unprecedented history. Like, exactly. That's that lucky. recovery <clears throat> was so fast. Right. Comparisons to every recovery in history. That's a lucky sequence of events. Right? That's not good, proper structure and discipline. It's a lucky sequence of events. And, and we so need to be cognizant Here's of what I challenge anybody to do is when the markets fell this time last year, February, March, let's even put in April if you want to in that, 
in those three months, what did the portfolio go down by? And how did it recover? Mm-hmm. And did it fall equivalent to or worse than your benchmark? Meaning the S&P 500. Let's say you pick that. Markets went, and can you get back to normal, your portfolio value? How long did it take to get back? The reason why I say that is because that's the range of volatility you're willing to accept on the returns that you received. Right. And so when we have one-third of the volatility on the downside, yet outperform on the upside, when you look year over year or 12-month period for December for 2020, there's a reason why. And then you you can be lucky one year. Yep. You can be lucky two years. Yep, you could. Try five, seven, and 10 years. Right. And see, can you handle the range of that portfolio going up and down over a 10-year period? Mm -hmm. Because I think people will forget that. Mm -hmm. They will not, most people will not have their 10-year rate of return and the volatility metrics beside it. Yeah, so my, 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 my issue when, when you know, we were talking about this, this idea of the base effect re- coming off of mm-hmm. February, March, same thing. Those, it, it's going to look like spectacular numbers, mm-hmm. right? Don't be lulled into a false sense of security. Don't be lulled into a false sense of security and how quickly the recovery happened. Don't be lulled into a false sense of security in the fact that you didn't actually have to spend any money because you couldn't. You were restricted from going anywhere yeah. and doing anything. Um, don't don't mistake those things for good structure, discipline, and planning. Everybody's retirement will be great if you didn't have to spend money. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that makes right? it, that makes it easy from a financial planning perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now add spending. You to have your savings and you're not spending. Yeah, you're going to be okay. You'll be fine. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> All right. So so that's probably not going to be the case for most people. I bet everybody. My my guess is that everybody's worked so hard to g- g- gather the assets they have so they can go and enjoy it. Correct. Okay. So how are we going to help them do that? Yeah, we're going to talk about that on our next webinar on Tuesday, March 23rd, 7 p.m. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. And Faisal and I look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.